now uh, yeah. as we can see that the history historically um, there has been the fall in um, Sri Lanka which has been funded by Congress and uh, then they supported the military of Sri Lanka to combat that civil war to combat that opposition which they funded themselves but now that uh, Tamil Tiger have been resolved but uh, is there still um, the crowd for that or impact of that which can still affect the political situation there? True. But before I begin, uh, can you repeat the question again? I did not get you completely there. Like in a historically, um, the Sri Lanka, mm -hmm. uh, as we know about the Tamil Tiger and the Civil War, mm -hmm. um, but now that the Tamil Tiger has been dissolved, but is there mm -hmm. still um, the relationship between Sri Lanka and India uh, are sore mm -hmm. or that in that region in South and Sri Lanka region? Mm -hmm. Are there some impacts of that which can be seen till now? Yeah, so there, there are multiple angles to it. So uh, you are right about it. Congress did uh, support, you know, it was the Indian government uh, which was controlled by Congress back in the day. But it was Indian government which supported the Sri Lankan government uh, in their anti, uh, you know, what they would classify as anti-insurgency operations. Uh, but, you know, from our perspective, it was our fight for freedom. You know, it was, you know, there were Sri Lankan citizens walking without any form of uh, documented identity. They were refugees on their own land. Uh, and, and they reached the point of no return where they realized uh, they cannot have a equal citizen or a equal human uh, status. Uh, you know, they cannot coexist with the Sinhalese, and they said it. If we exist with the same amount of self-respect as that of yours, we will need a territory of our own. So we will have our own government. We can be very friendly neighbors, smiling at each other, rather than being uh, a very, very terrible, a terribly antagonized uh, citizens of the same country. And that was the whole, uh, but which was categorized as a separatist movement. At one point, it was uh, uh, LTT was categorized as an insurgent organization. But I think after the Western powers started getting involved, they were recategorized as foreign terrorist organization. So we completely uh, disagree with that. Uh, but uh, that's a whole separate story. But what India Indian government did was uh, it. It, it supported the Sri Lankan government on many fronts. And at one point in time, the Indian peacekeeping force was sent, which uh, uh, claimed to play a neutral role, uh, but uh, it, it joined the Sri Lankan military and it was just going after uh, Tamil civilians there uh, and so on. So yes, we have those wounds uh, in our hearts even now. And uh, I don't think they are, uh, you know, if you get to watch that documentary killing fields of Sri Lanka you would know what I'm referring to but that is just a small drop in the uh, ocean there are so many other documented pieces of evidence as much as you can find evidence for those atrocities in US congressional archives you know from the 80s and 90s and you know, how Tamils were being treated by the Sinhalese there you know and that would tell you why the Tamils had to pick up arms uh, for their freedom but uh, you know that story apart from that point onwards uh, uh, you know because congress was in power we are not just blaming the congress for that we know that uh, dmk is also equal party to it 
DMK was the coalition partner in the central government at that point in time. And, uh, you know, as it turned out, uh, at the peak of that uh, uh, civil war in 2008-2009, when the genocide was happening, when civilians were being killed in thousands, uh, uh, you know, the, there is this Madras High Court here. The lawyers in the Madras High Court, they sat on a dharna inside, you know, showing uh, a demonstration, requesting the state government to request their coalition partner center to stop supporting uh, the civil war of the Sri Lankan government and in fact to convince the Sri Lankan government to resort to peace talks and, and any other non-violent means of resolution. And uh, that went on for like 30 days. And uh, uh, what we understand is at one point in time, news from Delhi came to Tamil Nadu or Chennai that, hey, this, because all the other protests had got subdued and everyone started minding their own business because, you know, this is going to happen, this is anyway happening and so on. But this group of lawyers who were uh, uh, protesting inside their court campus, they weren't blocking the road or they weren't denying anyone any service. What they were saying is, we are not going to the court. So the court activities did come to a halt because they weren't attending cases. They weren't stopping anyone from doing it, but they basically took an empty spot inside the court complex and they sat there. And uh, they went. this went on for uh, over four weeks. It did touch the 30-day mark. And after that, I think the Delhi office had called the Tamil Nadu office, the chief minister, and said, hey, something needs to happen. And because that, at that time, uh, DMK was a coalition partner with Congress, they also had their coalition partner responsibilities to keep their uh, Delhi friend happy. And as a result, what the government at that point in time did was it sent police force inside the court campus. Now, whatever happened there, a riot happened, uh, many judges were beaten. Like the riot police went into the offices of high court judges and the judges were beaten, their heads were broken. Uh, fortunately, no one died, if I get my facts right. But many people were injured, including high court judges. Uh, and the very presence of that police inside the court campus, they chose the court campus for protest because they knew police did not have a jurisdiction or control inside. Now, there will be one police station inside the court campus. If anything, a case has to be filed inside that station. That's the legal aspect of it. And whatever else happens, happens inside the courthouse, legally. But uh, this riot police was, was sent in and it was a uh, use of police access, uh, violating many layers of laws. And uh, those lawyers were uh, beaten. And uh, all the judges who came in between to stop that commotion, they were also beaten. Because during that time, everyone is wearing a white shirt and a black pant. Uh, who is a liar, who is a judge, nobody knew. And the riot police wouldn't care at that point in time. It's hard to differentiate the good from the bad. And uh, so so, I mean, so much violence happened. And that was the time when the population here started detesting or questioning the integrity of DMK. Hey, you, you claim to be supporting the Elam Tamils throughout the years. Well, means for the sake of Elam, we will sacrifice our lives. This was part of DMK propaganda. If you are a political party who really claimed to be willing to sacrifice your life for Elam, you know, the separate land for Tamils in Sri Lanka, why would you, while in power, send your force to beat the uh, lawyers who are protesting in favor of the same Tamils in Sri Lanka? And uh, they were not saying arrest Jaya Vardhane or kill the Sri Lankan force. They were only saying bring the war to a close because in the name of war, civilians are being butchered and that is genocide. 
uh, and bring this to a close and start the peace talks and coerce the government to do it and use your power in the central government because you are a coalition partner. Other regional parties, they cannot say anything, but you are their partner. If you say, if you do not uh, ask the Sri Lankan government to stop it, we will remove our support to your government. Congress would have listened. But at that time, uh, DMK did not do that. So from that point, and this happened in 2009. And if you notice, after 2009, until this previous election in 2021, DMK never came to power. Karnanidhi never sat on that CM's chair. Because you know, for more than a decade, you claimed to be supporting Tamils. But at the point when you were supposed to deliver something to Tamils, for some reason, you chose not to do that. And you actually went against the Tamils who were speaking for it. At that time, we started questioning, okay, why are you doing this? And so many uh, facts came out. Uh, you know, we here, you know, we are very much open towards diversity. If you look at our past leaders here in Tamil Nadu, Karmanidhi, uh, he is a Telugu, basically. Although settled and uh, raised here in Tamil Nadu, he is a Telugu. And uh, Jayalalitha uh, was a Kannadiga. MGR was a Malayali. So, uh, you know, we don't have a problem uh, choosing someone other than us uh, to be our uh, top leader within our state. So, but, but what we now realize is, for all these years, we have been choosing a non-Tamil as our leader. And we have been given the short end of the stick. So, from this point onwards, Good, bad, or ugly, let it be one of our own. Because enough of trusting someone else. We trusted a Telugu who went against us. We trusted a Malayali who went against us. He did support Elam to some extent, but not necessarily. When it comes to Mullai Periyar issues, he sided with the Kerala. Because you know that's when we realized, okay, although he was the CM of Tamil Nadu, he had a pro-Malayali mindset because he was a Malayali. Uh, and then if you look at the uh, murder case of uh, Karunanidhi's son, they took the case to uh, Andhra court because they have better friends there. And when it came to the corruption case of Jalilita, he took it to a Karnataka court because that's where she has uh, some support. So uh, although they were leading Tamil Nadu uh, or the Tamils in Tamil state, they were actually acting in interest of their own people. They had a definition of my own and unfortunately did not include Tamils. At least that is our suspicion at this point in time. So when it comes to that Sri Lanka thing, uh, yes, we completely disagree with uh, what uh, Congress had done. So uh, there is no way Congress is going to get uh, any sort of But uh, to some extent, DMK is still holding on to a certain level of credibility, which is getting shattered as we speak. But to some extent, they are having it. And uh, because DMK is tolerating Congress, we are just keeping it. But we are really questioning ourselves. Why are we still... Uh, uh, letting someone else other than a Tamil be at the top spot. You know, this is a state of Tamils. Let a Tamil be, you know. Legally, I can also go and stand in an election in Uttar Pradesh. But why would a constituency in Uttar Pradesh consider me for their leader? I might even speak Hindi. Uh, but uh, how will I understand the pain of a Uttar Pradesh citizen? How will I understand the problem of uh, Kanpur? If I'm going to stand there and I, I am legally allowed to do that. The law allows me to stay. I can go in Kanpur or Manipur anywhere and stand in an election. But why would people of Kanpur trust me? How will they know that uh, I will understand their pains and problems? They are better off relying on someone from Kanpur or someone from Uttar Pradesh who's at least remotely connected to Kanpur. And we are asking the question, uh, that question to ourselves. For many decades, we have been trusting uh, a non-Tamil for our leader. 
uh, and we trusted them over and over again, but uh, I, we don't think we got our fair share of uh, And so we are now thinking, okay, at what point do we stop doing this? And so, uh, you know, coming back to the Sri Lanka part, this is the thing with it. So even now the Indian government and the Sri Lankan government, I think they still maintain that friendly nature. For us, uh, the problem is, now there is a law which says, uh, other than Muslims and Christians, anyone coming from Bangladesh, Pakistan can become an Indian citizen. There are thousands of Sri Lankan Tamils who are refugees here in uh, Tamil Nadu. Technically, that civil war is over. LTT is finished. So civil war over, they have declared it. No more LTT. Civil... So when there is no more civil conflict, that the definition of refugee is also over. Then why are the Sri Lankan Tamils still living in Tamil Nadu in uh, abject poverty? holding that refugee status, they can also become Indian citizens. A large segment of them are uh, praying to gods which falls under the Hindu category. For some reason, that has not happened. More than 800 Tamil fishermen have been shot by the Sri Lankan uh, military. Okay, But if something happens from the Pakistan border, uh, you know, even if they say something in a press meet, everyone else uh, raises their arms. Oh, how can Pakistan say that? More than 800 of us have been shot dead by the Sri Lankan military. We, we don't see the Indian government even throwing a coconut at them. So it means when it comes to Tamils, for some reason, we are not being considered an equal or worthy Indian. Uh, so, so while the governments have a friendly relationship, we are asking the question, are we still continuing to exist in an unnatural union? Because one fisherman, okay, two, three, okay. More than 800 have been killed and they are still breaking the boats and so on. Whatever be the violation. If the fishermen have violated, they are supposed to be arrested. Arrest them, take them to the court, uh, uh, convict them, put them in prison. Then the details comes to the Indian ambassador there and say, hey, the citizens of your country violated the laws in our country by illegally coming into our territory and fishing. We have arrested them. Here is the evidence. Here is how we have proven that they came into our territory. They are now in prison. It is your responsibility. You want to take them, you take them. Or we are going to proceed with the law. It is a seven years or ten years, whatever that presents. And this is what should have happened. But that's not what is happening. You know, you know, the, the bodies that have been recovered are like they threw kerosene over that fisherman, they set him on fire, and then they threw him alive, burning into the waters. So when we are getting back mutilated bodies of Tamil fishermen, we are asking the question: why is in Indian government? Uh, you know, Congress also didn't do anything about it. BJP also doesn't seem to be doing anything about it. So it means for some reason, just because they speak Tamil, these fishermen are not uh, uh, worthy Indians. Even if the if we go into the area of them violating the laws, going into someone else's territory, everyone is asking when it is an anti-Modi comment, show me the fact. But uh, where is the fact which proves that these fishermen actually went into Sri Lankan territory? Besides the fact that they have been captured by the Sri Lankan forces, I can also take a boat, go into their territory, capture their fishermen, bring him here, of him and here into India territory. I have to prove my claim, right? The Sri Lankan government is saying they came into our territory, so we shot at them. Fair enough. Show me the proof where you conclude that our fishermen actually came into your territory. What is the means to prove in open waters a certain vessel has gone into someone else's uh, nautical jurisdiction? No one ever knows about it. But that's not the point. No one ever cares to talk about it. When it comes to Tamil fishermen, no one wants to uh, talk about it. So uh, you know what we are noticing is a secondhand treatment of uh, us. 
from the center. So we are really questioning, is this union unnatural for Tamil Nadu? Now that we're talking about it, that uh, South uh, is uh, feeling that it is not part of India wholly, that uh, government is not focusing it, focusing on it. So what do you think it is that uh, the these big parties are not able to show their dominance in the South or it is because of the history between South and the North part of the country? And do you think that this result, like, are there any chances that this result south into being a new country uh, see if, if the disparities continue to persist uh, the sovereignty of the country will be put into question see the thing is if you look at even as of 2014-15 the moment BJP came into power at that time the data was released in an annual basis every year how much of tax is given to each state and it's called tax devolution document. Now they are releasing it on a monthly basis. Just so compiling the data takes time. But the data is there anyways because they have to release it. But as of then, 19% of the total tax collected went to Uttar Pradesh. Now, uh, so, but there are like 31 states. The last time I checked, I don't know, every month we are getting a new state. Uh, but that's a whole different story. But th more than 30 states in this country one state is getting close to 20% or one-fifth of the total country's tax. The rationalist of the people. The first question comes is, are we fools to implement the family planning program in our state? You said, hum do hamare do. Then you said, hum do hamara ye. We educated our people and we put that a triangle in every place, that inverted triangle. And everyone, you know, my parents stopped with just me. I don't have a sibling. Uh, uh, because, you know, that generation believed, okay, we should not have a larger family. Now, because we followed the central government, or as in the case, the policy done for, came from the north, that, you know, uh, we do not have a lot of resource to feed the whole population explosion. And we accepted to it. And because of that, our population is low. And they didn't just follow it. And because they have more people, now they're getting more tax. Okay, fair enough. Because in the end, they also, they are also humans. Uttar Pradesh people also should eat. Now the question comes, why is someone from Uttar Pradesh selling kulfi here in Chennai? When I look at him, I don't see a North Indian taking away anything from me. He is selling kulfi here. What, what else is he? You know, I'm just happy he's having a livelihood here in Chennai. I would ask him, uh, he gave some place and said, I don't know all the place, I only know Lucknow. And then from my standpoint, if he doesn't even have an option to sell kulfi and make money in Uttar Pradesh, what is Uttar Pradesh doing with one-fifth of the tax money? Firstly, you are taking away from my plate. It means I am not eating as much as I used to. Okay, it's okay. I'm not fully hungry, but I'm not full also. Some part of my food has been taken away. At least I need to know someone else is eating it. So you are taking away from my plate. He is also not eating. He is coming to my place and he is relying on me for food. So I have to feed the Uttar Pradesh population while also giving one-fifth of my tax money to Uttar Pradesh. Where is that money going? Never mind me. I have more. So I don't have a problem sharing it with my... He's also my fellow citizen, my fellow human. But the thing is, he, he how much money can a kulfi wala make here in Chennai? Uh, okay, and Chennai is also an expensive place. But he, for that person, selling kulfi late night in Chennai is worth saving some money and sending back home. What is the quality of life? What did you guys do for 
20 years before this. I have no clue. But here is the question. Despite taking one-fifth of the country's tax, that state is actually sending those people to these very states which are funding that tax money. Because top three contributors are Tamil Nadu, Kerala, Punjab, little bit others from Karnataka and Maharashtra. So most of the tax contributions comes from the south. And where does it go? It only goes to wherever BJP is in power. And still the people from those very states are coming to the south. So where is the money going? So there is a strong economic disparity. A disparity has grown, you know, in, in orders of magnitude since 2014. Now the question comes, show me someone who is actually using that money, if not everyone. Okay, you know, you know, not all systems are perfect. We can't expect everything to be ideal all the time. They never were. That's a separate story. But when you when you tell me there are more people in Uttar Pradesh and therefore more money will go to Uttar Pradesh, why are more people from Uttar Pradesh coming here for livelihood? See, the very rationale of more money going to Uttar Pradesh means there is more money in more people in Uttar Pradesh. So yes, more money. Uttar Pradesh needs more money. Fair enough. Let Uttar Pradesh take more money. Then why is Uttar Pradesh coming down south saying job nahi hai bhaiya? Then who is eating there in Uttar Pradesh? And, and, and see, the whole country had to pay a Ganga rejuvenation cess, 0.5%. Now, Ganga touches only seven states, Uttar Pradesh, all the way up to West Bengal, five to seven states, including the tributaries. But all the 31 states were, are paying that 0.5% Ganga rejuvenation. That one ministry itself has been made... Uh, later they changed the name to Jal Shakti now. But previously, if you look at it, the official name ended with uh, Ganga rejuvenation. Why should uh, the whole country pay for, why should I be paying for purification of Ganga when not even a drop of that Ganga comes to me? The, the legally entitled Kaveri water is not coming to my place. And the, when even when BJP was in power in Karnataka, it was saying Kaveri belongs to Kannadiga. So, so BJP is taking a regional uh, mask uh, for its own country there. So the thing is, everywhere we are met with unfairness. And at some point, all this unfairness is going to contribute to the question, are we part of a unnatural union? Then, you know, at some point that is going, to, at this point, it is just a question coming out of suspicion because, okay, more money to, more money from here. But less money coming back, it's okay because other states need it. But other state people are also coming here. Means nothing is happening there. This is happening. <clears throat> this is just overall economic tax devolution. Now look at it from an education standpoint. With, uh, even for state governments, all the state governments in most of the states, ignoring the smaller uh, tiny states, they have enough wealth. Building a college is nothing. You know, say maybe the most sophisticated educational institution could be what? 200 crores maybe 300 crores, 200, 300 crores for a state government is nothing. It won't be even a decimal point in their overall budget. They operate in thousands and lakhs of crores. If those state governments want, they, they can build like 200 medical colleges every term they come to power. Let uh, take 10% of 200, 20 medical colleges in every five years. So if they had done that for the past seven years, you are talking about uh, 140 medical colleges in every state where BJP was in power. But no, extra medical college is not the problem. Where is the existing medical college? Ensure the seats are given to those states. Now our question comes, my ancestors who worked hard, who paid their taxes, and using whose tax uh, Tamil Nadu government built the medical colleges, our own kids cannot study there. 
because now there is a neat exam and they say uh, you have to clear this neat so we will put our resources we will create a platform for education which will deny access to our own kids now the question comes why sh why should i let that be my question you know naturally we are asking the question why are we still supplying power and water to that institution if everything comes to need let power and water also come through need because the thing is you build 2000 more colleges don't let any tamil nadu student study in it we don't care because you are building it and you know clearly you have a new system of enrollment feel free to do that uh, and then enroll build hundreds of colleges in every state every state will benefit but instead of building more colleges they are just usurping are taking control of existing medical colleges now what is the unfairness there now that is that needs to be questioned and the unfairness there is not everyone is having the same set of leverage within that sort of entrance exam those who come from the cbse syllabus for them they are already used to the ncert textbooks based on which the neat uh, syllabus is built on or the neat exam is done so those who come through the cbse syllabus it's a breeze for them at least it's an environment they are already accustomed with but all the states have their own state boards now for tamil nadu the very fact that i have to study one textbook throughout the year and then for the entrance exam i have to study a completely different textbook denies me my fundamental right this had to be questioned even for iit je but uh, this is where we have our problem with the dmk or the local dravidian parties here why didn't you question iit because you didn't question iit je now we are having need because all you cared about was how much money you are getting the moment you got your share of uh, the loot you stopped questioning everything from center and because of that they are just repeating now it it it, it has created a reason for iit je is there you didn't question that why are you questioning this even that the same thing having to study once if if you say this is a new syllabus completely outside of all syllabi in this country means all the students have to study this unique book besides their uh, textbook in school it means although it is unfair it is equal it is equally unfair you know it's like it's like civil service exam you can come from arts i can come from science someone can come from engineering but then the public administration textbook is common for all of us but we never got to read that public administration textbook in our college syllabus but that is okay because that book is common for all of us now that competitive exam is a fair assessment why because it's a common book none of us have an advantage over each other but in need those students who come from the cbse background they have an advantage over the students who do not come from the cbse background and still the government formally doing it and the first response that they give when we raise an alarm is congress created need it means you 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 are okay with people dying but you just want to throw the blame on other group and the other group also doesn't seem to say anything at that point the question comes our forefathers will work hard pay the taxes and build all these educational institutions only for someone sitting far away whom we are never ever going to meet is going to decide that our own children cannot study in that the question comes are we part of an unnatural union so you know so yes the questions have started coming up Uh, but i don't think we are at a point where all the questions have completely converged so in my view we are like 15 years away from that convergence standpoint if similar scenario continues for the next 15 years uh, i think uh, you know we will formally have that statement being placed uh, not just in tamil nadu but from southern state at least the way i see it uh, uh, you know that you know are we part of an unnatural union at which point the sovereignty of the nation 
will be under COVID. Now, the parties cannot ask it directly because they are part of the electoral process. Now, legally, if you are registered as a political party, uh, the very fact that uh, you, you, you are participating in an election means you have to give an undertaking that you accept the Indian constitution and you will not be involved in anything that questions the sovereignty of the country. And on that account alone, you are participating in the election. So we do not expect the political parties to raise that question because that would not be legal on their part to raise that question. But this sentiment has come up in the public forum. The citizens are feeling bad about this. And, uh, you know, we are, we are also not happy in outrightly denying anyone else medical education. The only question comes is, how much is it going to cost building rooms, fence, boards, chapters, and then you have staff members, some labs and the salaries and operational costs. That's all it is. You can build hundreds of medical colleges by now, and you can have the All India PMT as a reference for that. We will ask our students not to go there. You know, if you really consider, oh, everything is being taken by Tamil Nadu, we will ask our students not to go there. We, it's not a problem. But instead of building more colleges across the country, if you come up with a system which just usurps the seats in the existing colleges, denying the access, because how did so many colleges come in Tamil Nadu? Because we, our leaders and our ancestors consciously decided we need more doctors for our society. Now, a big chunk from other states are coming in. Are they going to stay here in our villages? No. If, if it was a Tamil Nadu student, they will have, it is an undertaking here that after they, uh, the Hippocratic oath is always there, but after that, at least for a few years, they, they have to work in a government medical college or hospital here, and they will be posted in rural areas. So just because someone is part of the Tamil Nadu medical education system, they have to give some of their professional service back to the society, depending upon where, before they choose, you know, they might eventually choose the uh, rich private hospital where they get a really handsome salary. That's their personal uh, uh, right. Nobody is going to block that. But for a few years, their service is available. So by creating this system, what we essentially wanted to achieve was access to healthcare to remote locations. People who cannot access uh, hi-fi uh, hospitals as uh, in the urban areas, that is being broken. And that is being broken on our own tax money. So we are funding our own debt. At that point, the question again comes, are we part of an unnatural union? And uh, it is not the need which is causing the bitterness. It is the complete disregard from the administration, both the state and the center, towards this problem. And the lack of awareness amongst the population also that uh, having to study one textbook throughout the year and having to study another textbook just for the sake of an exam and that not being applicable to all the students is violation of the constitution. No one is aware of that. So, you know, but at some point that awareness is going to materialize. And at that time, we are talking a large wave of bitterness and which again will throw the sovereignty of the country into question. All these things could be easily avoided, but uh, uh, you know, acknowledgement of the problem is the first step of any solution for uh, some reason unknown. Uh, you know, the existing administrations are not willing to acknowledge this as a problem. More of a, this is how it is, fall in line. Uh, at some point, we are going to ask, why should I fall in line? Uh, you know, so we, we, we are very close to it. We are not there yet, but we are very close to it. Thank you for all your information. It was really um, an exciting talk with you. We got to know a lot. Thank you for joining sure, us. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Thank you for inviting me. And it was nice knowing you and answering my questions.